stand with us this morning as we sing about the only king forever. Sing out with us this morning. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for kicking us off this Christmas season with that worship. Are y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. Amen. That's a great amen to have uh, to kick off this morning. We're so glad that you're here at Sunset Hills Baptist Church. We are excited that you are here with us, worshiping this king and this kingdom that has no end forever and ever and ever. If you start thinking about that, 
That's pretty cool. That's really cool. If you're here this morning and you're visiting with us, if this is your first time, if you are a guest, we are so uh, happy that you are here with us as well. If you want to text hi uh, to our number, 615-776-1807. If you're not a texting person, that's fine. We'd love to say hi to you. There's a welcome desk out in the lobby. Just stop by there, and uh, one of our people will make sure that you know that you are welcome here this morning. We welcome all of our people as well watching on our live stream, uh, wherever you're at this morning. We are excited that we are all together here to worship this King who loves each one of us more than we can imagine. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that the God of the universe loves you and sent his only son just for you and for the world, then you're in for a real surprise this morning uh, as we worship this King. getting into our Advent season this morning, so we're easing into some Christmas songs. Sing along. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, hoping to the sun. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. 
Show me who you are and fear. 
As we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord, we prepare our homes for the arrival of family and friends. We imagine them coming through the front door and what it will be like to sit, dine, and visit with loved ones. We treasure thoughts of home and when home is, when home is safe and loving. Mary and Joseph had to leave home just when they needed home the most. Their hard journey to Bethlehem meant they were alone at the time when they most needed community. Yet God was with Mary and Joseph in their wandering. They experienced God as a protector and sustainer, even as they traveled from their home to the unfamiliarity of Bethlehem for the census. Once there, they experienced God as keeper of promises. Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the horse house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and in that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Today, in a world that makes the barn in Bethlehem feel like a very long time ago, God calls for community to help keep children safe and to give homeless shelter. We light this candle for every child of God who has lost their way from home. There is hope. God wants children to live in safety, in repentance, and in commitment that we will work to make it so. We light this candle as a symbol of God's light and hope shining in the darkness. The light has come into the world. The first chapter of John says that the darkness has not understood it, but the darkness will never overcome it. God's home is safe. Bow your heads. Dear God, you are our heart's home. Your home is safe, loving, and eternal. But so many of your children are trapped in homes that are not safe, or they are forced to leave homes that are safe for nightmares they barely escape. You choose to incarnate yourself into a family that had little else but love on the night you were born. Rescue us from the danger of being obsessed with ourselves so that we can see both the needs and the hope around us. Help us always to make room for you and have the doors to our hearts be open. Draw us closer to your light as we draw closer to Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, come let us adore. Oh, come let us adore.
a brand new series this morning for the Advent season entitled Welcome Home. In fact, all this next year that we're about to go into in 2023, we're going to use this as a year-long theme at Sunset Hills at various times during the year. Our, Our church is a very welcoming church. This is one of the many characteristics of Sunset Hills that sets us apart from many others. I have often heard people say after visiting with us several different weeks that they uh, just feel like when they come here that this just feels like home, feels comfortable. Well, we don't want it to be too comfortable, but you know what I'm saying. We want it to to feel like a place where you are welcomed and that it feels like home. And I really like that about our church family, and you'll be hearing more about this in the months ahead. But we're launching this theme starting today and throughout the Advent season, using different rooms and places that we find in a typical home, we're going to take into account different scenes of the story of Jesus' birth that we're so familiar with, and we're going to explore the true meaning of Christmas as we look at these different rooms. Let me ask this question. How many of you have already started your Christmas decorating? Let me see your hands. Wow, that's over half of us, it looks like, you know. It's, it's like, uh, it's, it's already happening. I, 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 for the rest of us, I know, it, I know it's just like, we just got through with Thanksgiving. Gee, give us a break, right? Give, give us some time to enjoy the, the Thanksgiving season. I mean, can, can we not just give Thanksgiving its due? It seems like it just gets lost. In between all the hoopla of Halloween and Christmas, And we just seem to overlook uh, what seems to be a forgotten holiday these days with Thanksgiving. But the reality of it is Christmas is just right around the corner. And we all like our Christmas decorations. Uh, At least I do. I enjoy uh, seeing them. I'm not so sure I enjoy decorating so much as I like the result after we see uh, the decorating that's been done, all the work that's been done. And and so at our house, we, we like to enjoy our decorations for more than just a few weeks. So the earlier we get started, the longer we have to enjoy them, before we finally get around to taking them down around Valentine's Day or something like that. No, it's not quite that far, but maybe Martin Luther King said. We, we actually leave our lights on quite a while because, you know what, I work hard putting those lights up, and why not just leave them on, right? You know, we're the last, we're the last house in the neighborhood usually to turn them off. But I'm behind compared to what I've seen my neighbors doing, so I've got to get on the ball and get my lights up. Christmas decorations are truly fun to look at. Uh, Emily and Cole uh, 
that, you know, they have a son, his name is Eli. You've met Eli before. He's, he's three and a half years old or so. And, and Eli is just so excited about Christmas. He can't wait to get the tree down. He knows exactly where they have kept the tree in the attic. And he can't wait to get it down. Well, they finally brought it down, I think, yesterday. And he had already gone to bed. When he woke up uh, yesterday morning and he saw the tree was up, he, he looks at it and he says, Oh, that's the perfect tree. And this right here is exactly where my car hauler is going to go. So, I mean, he's got it all figured out. I mean, he's ready. You know, he knows where the car hauler is coming from, from TJ, TJ, what's he call it? TJ Must or Max? What? Mast. He calls it TJ Mast. He saw a car hauler there, and he says he's convinced his mom that Santa Claus is going to go to TJ Mast and bring him his car hauler and put it right there under the tree. That's what he's going to do. Christmas decorations, like I say, they're really enjoyable to look at. They just seem to light up what is otherwise a drab time of the year, the winter time, as one of the, one of the special places that people seem to like to decorate is the front door. Ah, the front door. The first area of the home that we typically look at. I suppose that practically every dwelling there is has a front door. Now, I, I know that there are other doors to a house. There's back doors, there's side doors, there's porch doors, there's patio doors, there's garage doors, there's bedroom doors, and thank goodness there's bathroom doors, kitchen doors and closet doors, and maybe even trap doors. Anybody have a trap door in your house? Really? Am I the only one that has a trap door in my house? I do. Emily fell through it one time. <laughs> it was a hole in the floor that goes to her down to our tornado room, and I forgot and left the top open. She's not paying attention. She walks right there and whoo, right down through the hole. You know, scared her to death. She won't walk across that part of the floor anymore because of that. But there's the front door, right? It's the show door. Oh, it's the, usually the most visible. It's the place that typically has the best curb of hill. And this was the case for the door that stands behind me. It came from a home in the Green Hills area of Nashville. And for years and years, probably since the 1950s, since that house has been around, it served as the front door to a house that was in a well-established neighborhood. Now, I'll tell you, this door is a very heavy door. It's encased in a well-built entryway that no telling how many people have passed through through the years. This particular one was very well built by a master carpenter. I know because we took it out from the house. Each and every nail was hammered with different size nails depending on the different pieces of wood used for the structure. And I'm pretty sure that what has been decorated here today is not the first time that this door has been adorned by Christmas decorations. As Kelly, Mike, and myself were taking the door out of the house, I couldn't help but think about and wonder who may have walked through the threshold of the door into that home. 
We didn't know how many pe who actually lived there through the years, or let alone who may have walked through that door to get inside that house. Couldn't help but think about how many times maybe a family had been welcomed home after a long day at work, maybe after a vacation to, from some exotic place. We don't know how many times that may have happened. Neither do we know that, that after, maybe after an exhausting trip, they walked in through this door and they said, there's no place like home. You ever felt that way? You're so glad to be there, back in that place of comfort, and you feel like there's just no place like home. We don't know if somebody said that. Or were there newborn babies carried through the door to spend the very first night of many nights to come in their lifetime as they grew up there in that, in that home? Or how many kids walked up to the door on Halloween night yelling, trick or treat, in hopes of finding a bunch of candy to place in their bags? Or did out-of-town family bring suitcases through the door to stay the night or longer? Did anyone of prominence ever walk through this door and were welcomed into the home that stood behind it? We don't know. Likewise, were there people that may have come up to the door and they walked up not knowing exactly who lived on the other side, knocking, hoping that someone would come to the door, and yet maybe there would be someone peering outside through the windows there on the side to see who it was and only to turn them away because they did not recognize them. It must have been thousands of times that this door served as an accent, access point to get into the home. But we don't know whom it was. But here's what we do know, that on a night when a young couple needed a place to stay, when they knocked on a door of what was called an end, they were turned away. We find the story in the second chapter of the book of Luke. I invite you to look on the screen and follow along or turn in your Bibles with me. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the people should be registered. This census took, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And what we do know and what we have been able to find out from history is that, that the Romans ruled the Israelites with an iron fist back during the first century. And there were two things that the Romans were quite good at, both crucifixion and taxation. And when it came to taxation, even the, the poor peasants on the far end of the Mediterranean Sea, were they weren't exempt as they were forced to contribute the demanded amount of their taxes. The leader at the time, according to verse 1, was Caesar Augustus. If you know anything about history, you may remember that he was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar, Caesar and eventually became the adopted son of Caesar himself. Originally born under the name Gaius Octavius in 27 B.C., he was honored with the name Augustus, meaning exalted one. It was uh, under his supreme 
dictatorial power. He, he remained there until his death in seven, at 76 years old in A.D. 14. And during this reign, he achieved a lot for the Roman Empire, expanding it greatly. But that caused problems. As any empire will expand, there are greater needs that exist. And so that called for the, the required money to make everything work out. And so the more and greater that they became, the more money that they, that they demanded. So Augustus, he calls for a census of all the world for taxation purposes. And the people are forced to go, what verse 3 says, their own city. And then verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house and lineage, lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. They had to travel 80 miles over mountainous terrain. Mary is full term in her pregnancy. So it's not hard to imagine how difficult this trip must have been for her. Having lived with a woman who's been pregnant three times, I imagine it wasn't too fun for Joseph either. You know what I mean? And all the women who, if you've been in that predicament, are saying, get over it, right? You, uh, you didn't do anything compared to what your wife did or what I did. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Let those words sink in just for a moment. No room for them in the inn. We've heard those words many times. You know they're coming, right? Whenever you hear the word swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, you know that those words are about to follow. No room for them in the end. To me, it always seems to bring a sense of sadness that there was no room. Now, we don't know. If Joseph tried to explain the condition of Mary and the eminence of her delivery, Luke doesn't go into that detail. But it just leaves you wondering, what do you mean there's no room? The woman's pregnant. No room for, for, for this woman who's about to deliver. No room for this baby to be born in. Come on. This is the Savior of the world. You've had like 700 years to prepare a place for him to be born in a room that is warm and comfortable. Can't we get it together? But there's no room, it says. Did you ever think, maybe when you heard this story when you were a kid, that if only you had been the innkeeper... You'd figure out some place, some place in the end for Mary and Joseph. It's easy to think bad thoughts about the innkeeper. He must have been a really mean person to have turned away a man and a young girl who's off, obviously about to pop out that baby. 
Instead of seeing their desperate need for a a clean, warm place to deliver a child, he says, says basically and said, I don't have any place here for you. No room for you. But you can sleep in a stable. Seems like a cruel thing to have said to Joseph and Mary. But really, when you stop and think about it, we can easily put ourselves in his shoes. When we stop and think about the history of what was taking place, the little town was jam-packed with people from all over. I can see it happening due to the census. The little town had no accommodations available for the many travelers. Every place had already been taken and then some. Maybe he already had several other people who had been knocking on his door. I mean, can you imagine this? About every 10 minutes or so, or maybe every 15 minutes. He comes to the door again. Sorry, no room. Comes to the door again, or maybe over and over during the nighttime. Having to answer the same question, have to say the same spiel. There's no room. We're crowded. We don't have room for you in this place. Go someplace else. Maybe he's just worn out from having to put up with all the other stuff that seems to be happening with the senses. There's people everywhere, and I've just about had it with all these people. Some of y'all probably felt that way after Thanksgiving. It's time for you to go home, you know? There's a couple here. They're not here. They're in Spain right now. Recently joined our church. And they were telling me that they had some people coming in to spend some time with them. They decided that they were going to come in and they bought a one-way ticket to Nashville or to Nolansville. They said, how long are you going to stay? Well, we don't know for sure. Do you have anybody like that? <laughs> I wasn't expecting an answer. Aren't you glad? Right? Maybe he was just fed up with all the people who were in the town. Don't bother to come to this door. There's no room for you. But somewhere in his heart, maybe it's the first couple that shows up, whatever reason, maybe he felt sorry because he saw that, that Mary was pregnant with this child for whatever reason he says but you can stay in the stable maybe the innkeeper did the best he could and had pity on the man and his wife to say that whatever was going through the mind of the innkeeper he was not allowed about to allow mary and joseph to come through his front door you know doors have many purposes one of them is to serve as a passageway of access. And it could also stand as a barrier to deny access, to allow the homeowner to determine who exactly is granted access. The front door to a house can serve as, as either a barrier or can serve as access to whom is welcome in your home. 
Putting this in the context of where we are today, the question is whether or not we will grant Jesus access or use it as a barrier to say to him, no room in the end. In the book of Revelation, Jesus had told John what to write to the seven churches. And to the church at Philadelphia, Jesus describes himself as the one, watch this, who is... knocking at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's talking about standing at a door, at the door of what? Not, not a front door of a house as this is, but he's talking about standing at the front door of our lives where the heart is, the front door of our heart. And we have a choice whether or not we will grant access for him to come in or whether or not it will stay as a barrier for him to stay out. We often take this verse as meaning it's for unbelievers with Jesus standing and warning them to let him into their hearts and it is and unbelievers have an opportunity to let Jesus into their hearts when he knocks and they respond certainly that's one of the the purposes of it that's why he came but remember whom this is being written to he's writing to the church and he's saying that whoever hears his voice and opens their heart that he would come into their lives and, and fellowship with them have not all of us in some of the, been in some of the same situations when it came to allowing Jesus access to come in and dine with us in our hearts, been just exactly like the innkeeper in our relationship with God? Have we not gone to the door and before answering we look to see who's there? Whether or not... We really want to let that person in. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, in our house, we've got a front door, and not here, but on this side, we've got windows similar to this right here. And you know what? When somebody comes to my door, here's what I do. I check it out. Who's at my door? Long before I do this. You know what? Sometimes I just kind of step out here on the porch. I keep them out on the ground, you know. It's like, I don't, you know, I, I, to really make a point. Does that not say something? Haven't we all been like that sometimes when a salesman comes up to try to sell us something? In my neighborhood, about every four years or so, I have politicians come by wanting to tell me how good they're going to be in office. Or maybe when some people from a different religion <laughs> that I've already seen as I've traveled down the road and I say, oh man, let me hurry up and get home and... 
Man, that was fast. That was a close one. Have we not done that from time to time? Yes, you have. We've chosen to keep the door as a barrier to what they want to tell us. And then there are those who may come up to your door and we're on the other side and we do the same thing. Oh, man, I'm so glad to see you. Won't you come on in? Anybody does it like that, you might better run, right? But that's how we do, right? See, people that we love to have, no matter what our schedule is, if they come unannounced, no matter what we're doing, sometimes no matter even what we're wearing, we're opening the door and we put them on the welcome side of that door. Which one is Jesus for you? What happens when Jesus comes to the door? I know what the right answer is. And I know if you were sitting in a life group and somebody asked you that, oh, you'd probably say, oh, I'd let Jesus in, yeah. But really and truly, do we grant him access and welcome him into all areas of our life? Or do we keep the door closed as a barrier to deny entrance? Make no mistake about it. Jesus is knocking at your door. He will be knocking at your door all during the busyness of what we now know as Christmas over the next several weeks. I don't mean for this to be offensive. In fact, I left it out of my notes, but I'm going to put it in there, back in. We have so commercialized everything around Christmas. We have so made it so much about so much more Really and truly, the only legitimate guest that has a right to Christmas is Jesus. I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's almost like we've got everything else before welcoming Jesus. Do you know what? I think Jesus understands that. Because he's continually knocking at the door. And he's knocking constantly because he cares for you. He's knocking patiently to see if we're going to let him in. Jesus never gives up on us. Even when we all have closed the door in the face of Jesus, he still attempts to knock. Even we all have looked out to see who was knocking, and for whatever reason, we decided it was not a good time to let him in. He still knocks. 
And the great thing about Jesus is that he loves us enough not to do to us what we've done to him. In all the years that Lynn and I have lived in our home, when someone came to the front door, and in our case we have a doorbell, whenever we heard the doorbell, we always made a choice to deny access or to welcome them in. And when we have opened the door, we either told them to come in or we stood outside, like I showed earlier, to have that conversation. No one, since we have lived there, has ever tried to force themselves to come into our home. Likewise, Jesus will neither, never enter where he isn't welcome. He never breaks down the door or forces us to do something we don't want to do. He gives us a choice to let him through the front door of our lives or to keep him standing outside uninvited. Now, on the contrary, we have had some unwanted guests who did not use the front door but chose to break into their, our house and come in when they weren't welcomed or wanted. Two different times... Our home has been broken into. And you know the interesting thing about that is this. They didn't break in the front door. Whoever did it used the more secluded garage door to gain entry. One time they came in, they didn't realize that we had a dog right on the other side of the door, and the dog got a hold of them. ha, ha, ha. That's not very nice of a pastor, is it? I should have just said, come on, help yourself in. No, I wouldn't have done that either. But there was no invitation given. Just an unwanted intrusion into our lives. You know what this is a picture of? How Satan seems to operate. He breaks into our lives in nasty ways to cause disruption and chaos and turmoil. Never invited. He's trying to stay way, stay way too long. Disrupting our lives, trying to make us miserable. He'll try to do everything he can to get you distracted from experiencing the true meaning of Christmas. And right there is one of the things that we need to learn to separate is what's going on at Christmas time a real distraction that maybe he's providing in some what normally would be a good way, but yet it's a distraction trying to get us away from the true meaning of Christmas? Or is it, you know, are we seeing him for who he is? It's important to guard all the doors to our lives. The front doors, the back doors, the side doors, the trap doors, all the other doors. Believe me, he wants to try to trap us with distraction and hurt. But that's not true with Jesus. On the other side of that, he's the one guest who will always bring good to the door of your heart. 
He's the one guest that you can always count on that's going to do the right thing for you. You can always trust him. Remember the second part of the Revelation 3.20? It says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, watch this, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. There's fellowship that's taking place. There's give and take on each side of that. There's communication. There's Jesus doing his part and us doing our part. There's, there's good that's happening when we allow him to come into the door of our heart. And what a great promise this is. A welcome guest through the front doors of our lives. You know, maybe you've participated in times past in something like this as a kid or acted it out in some other way. The Christmas story has been acted out in Christmas pageants millions of times through the years. And stories of things, how things went right during those pageants and often when things didn't go wrong and everybody just laughed at it and had a good memory. There's a story about a boy by the name of Wally who was a 7th grade student. He ended up being a little larger than the, any of the other students in his Sunday school class. His mother had had some problems with alcohol when he was born, and as a result, Wally experienced some um, mental deficiencies. But somehow he managed to get by. Seemed to be well-liked. Christmas time came, and his class decided to put on a Christmas pageant. Since he was the biggest, Wally was selected to be the innkeeper. And just like the description that I had earlier this morning, the innkeeper was made out to be some kind of villain in the Christmas drama, so they coached Wally to be just as mean as he possibly could. Well, the night came for the Christmas play, and in it, Mary and Joseph portrayed as coming to Bethlehem and went to the inn and knocked on the door and Wally opened the door and says, What do you want? Just as mean and gruff as he possibly could. And Joseph said, We need a room. We need a place to stay tonight. Well, you'll have to stay someplace else, said Wally, because there's no room here. And Joseph said, But my wife's expecting a baby. Any time now, isn't there some place we can stay where we're all protected from the cold and where we, she can deliver her child? Then silence. Wally had forgotten his lines. From the heart behind the curtains, you could hear someone saying, Be gone, be gone. Finally, Wally managed to say, Be gone. Mary and Joseph sadly turned to leave, and just about the time they did, Wally said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can have my room. Maybe Wally, better than anybody else, communicated the real spirit of Christmas that night. You can have my room. Us, like us, say, you're welcome here. You're welcome into our home. You're welcome here into my heart. In a sense, we're all innkeepers. 
And we must decide whether we will allow Jesus to have room in our hearts this Christmas. And there will be much to try to crowd out a place. Other things besides Jesus and compete for the available space with him. We really should be better at making a place for Christ than the innkeeper tells us about because unlike the innkeeper, we know who Jesus is. We know what he did for us. And yet our lives seem to be so busy, taken up by work or by the business of Christmas, by the preparations celebrating the holidays and often we forget the true meaning of Christ's coming and if we're not careful we'll only carve out just a little bit of space for Jesus when he deserves so much more he is the most important at this time of the year we need to remember that we're not alone we need to remember that we're not unloved. And we need to remember that we're not without hope. We need to never overlook the peace of, that God brings and exchange it for the chaos that the world offers. Jesus came into this imperfect world without room for him. Yeah, he was born here. Because he had room in his heart for us. Our imperfections did not matter. For in the cross, that imperfection, that thing called sin that all of us are guilty of, that would separate us, rather it was laid on him to take our place. His righteousness would be credited to our account. And the Father would see us not as imperfect, not as sinful, but as righteous because of what Jesus did in taking on the sin on himself. He laid everything that he had aside, all the grandeur and the glory of heaven, to come to that place where an innkeeper said, no room for you. And yet, he's still knocking on the door, saying, will you make room for me in your heart? Would you pray with me, please? As we move beyond the Thanksgiving time in our country, into this Christmas season, into what's known as the Advent season, into a time where we're anticipating the coming of Christ. Even though he came 2,000 years ago, thank goodness we still recognize and we celebrate this incredible thing called Christmas, where the world really does seem to stop. And celebrate, maybe the wrong things, but at the heart of it is Jesus. He's the reason. It's my prayer as a church, as a people, that we take time 
to recognize that Jesus is knocking on the door. Maybe, maybe he's knocking on your door as an unbeliever. He's saying, I want to love you. I died for you. I came. So that you could experience that right relationship with God. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus into your heart. You just need to make some room for him. To just keep in mind and make him a priority. You know, I know there's going to be busy stuff to happening. But God, would you just help me keep Jesus as a priority as we enter this season? I don't know if you've got a reason that you need to spend some time with God this morning, but in a moment we're going to have this time of invitation that we have every Sunday just to give you a chance just to do business with God. If God's leaning on your heart, saying you need to do some business here in this altar, please take advantage of it now. You see... You're either granting access or you're denying him entrance. Don't deny him as we stand and as we sing. Father, just do what you need to do in this time. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Please stand. Counts the stars one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shore. He sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything, of all creatures, great and small. But he knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, He knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by the pain, I can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine, cause He knows my name. Don't know what tomorrow will bring I can't tell you what's in store I don't know a lot of things I don't have all the answers To the questions of life But I know in whom I have believed And He knows my name Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, cause He knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by the pain, can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine. Yes, He knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, He knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by the pain, I can't 
I just love hearing this sound. Isn't that cool? You may be seated. You like it? It is good, isn't it? Solid. Does anybody want this door and this setup up here? You want it? Dion, it's yours, buddy. I will say this. We went to, we actually purchased this, and we didn't have any idea. We just get the address, and we go over there with our crowbars and all of our stuff and a trailer, and we get ready to start tearing it out. And a lady meets us there, and she says, um, Hey there, you all the ones that want the door? I said, Yeah, we're the ones. And we start introducing ourselves, and she starts telling us a little bit of, about herself. And while we paid for this door, let me tell you where that money went to. We didn't know this at the time, but this woman operates a, uh, a mission in Uganda for children who are homeless and in trouble. And so she, that money is going, that we paid for the door, is going to help support that mission in Uganda. Isn't that kind of cool of how God just worked that all out? Yeah, it's kind of a neat thing. So, uh, we're going to take it and uh, probably donate it. We're going to pay it forward. We're going to donate it to Habitat for hum- Humanity, a good place for it. And then they can sell it and then do some other good work within our community for that, okay? Unless somebody wants to come up after, right after and give me $500, we'll, we'll... It didn't cost that much. We just need to make a profit on things, <laughs> right? You have announcements to make? I do, I do. Hey, coming up this uh, Don't Tuesday. Don't let me forget the Reese. I will thing. not. I will not. I was just letting you take a break. Take a break. Take I need a break. breather. Uh, we'll let you know this coming Tuesday. Uh, we have not really started decorating for Christmas yet. Of course, it's still November, and uh, we're kind of easing into Christmas. But next week, we're going to be full on Christmas, and uh, I'm excited about that. And if, you, if you've been here before, you know the place uh, looks fantastic through the month of December. Uh, but it takes a little work. And so this coming Tuesday, uh, we're, we're asking folks to come and, and join us for Christmas decorating. And uh, we're going to feed you. We're going to start around 9 o'clock in the morning. And um, at, uh, at lunchtime, we're going to do a full-on uh, stuffed baked potato bar. And it'll have barbecue and all your favorite fixings there for that. So we encourage you to come and, and join us as we decorate the whole building. Uh, we're going to be hitting the uh, white building down there for our students and uh, our our larger building here for our children and adults. They're coming up this Thursday. Don't forget this, ladies. Um, this is the last day that you can sign up for this, and it's um, our favorite things. December 1st, 630, uh, you bring three identical things, all of your favorite thing, and you'll go home with hopefully three brand new favorite things and just a, a great time of fellowship with all the ladies here as well. I have one more announcement. It is about our parents' night out. So Parents' Night Out is coming up December the 10th. And uh, this also has a dual purpose. Not only will it give you a time to uh, do some last-minute shopping for your family, maybe for your young ones there, but our students are going to be helping um, with Parents' Night Out. And the money that you give for that babysitting service will go to help offset their camp fees this summer. So I know we've we've got several that have already signed up that said uh, we're we're excited about the mission and coming and, and and watching the kids for Parents' Night Out, and uh, that has a dual amazing purpose as well. So next Sunday, we're going to explore the junk room. The junk room. 
If I were to ask for donations for that, we would be overwhelmed with stuff that you would bring to us. So we don't want your donations for that. We have plenty of junk around here that will easily make a room. All you have to do is look in this room right over here, and you'll see a junk room. Seems like every space we get becomes a junk room in no time at all. Is it like that at your house? Yeah, is it? It is at our house. I've threatened to take pictures of my house, but I want to go home and eat afterwards. And uh, so I've been warned not to. All right. Then uh, one of the things that we are doing and using uh, some decorations is we're encouraging you, if you'd like to purchase a wreath uh, that uh, are back on the table, many have already been purchased. In fact, the only ones that are available are the wreaths that are on the first uh, tables just as soon as you come through the doors back there or the last tables before you enter uh, the, the foyer. You can look at those tables there, and you can see what's not been purchased. And we're just saying, hey, if you want to buy a wreath, we're going to place them in a very prominent location. Believe me, it is a very prominent location. And what you can do is purchase one of those wreaths, and uh, for whatever it cost us when we bought them a couple of weeks ago, like in 1999, if it has a tag on it, it says 199. That's all we want. In fact, if you want to round it off and give us a penny, we'll do that with you. Somebody did that earlier today, and I said I'll give you a penny back. She said, "Well, I think you can keep it." So, a very generous heart there that's doing that for us, <laughs> Brenda King. Uh, but uh, I would never said said that, you know. But. Uh, we're going to and then what you can do if you'll fill out that card there's a card that's laying on top of that wreath put your name on it and if you would like to for us to remember someone that has already gone a loved one that you've lost uh, you we're going to scroll those names on our announcements and you can honor your loved one who's passed and by uh, donating that wreath on their behalf Okay, and then after the holidays, after we're all done, you get to take that wreath home with you and you keep, keep it at your house forever and ever again. Okay, so is that it? We're good? Okay, so yeah. I get to say something today that really fits what this sign up here says. Welcome home. Because Tim and Bonnie Sneed, please come up here with me, are coming to say they want this to become their church home. And the cool thing about it is it really is a welcome home because Bonnie was in our church long ago uh, at Radnor and Tim came along and actually was on staff at, at our church years ago. They met each other at church and uh, been married how long? Oh, that's a long time. 36 years after they found each other at Radnor. And so they're coming today and say, hey, we want to make Sunset Hills our church home. So welcome home. We're glad to have you. Yeah. They have two sons, two sons, and uh, you get to know them. Uh, Bonnie works at uh, Tennessee Baptist Foundation, and Tim is uh, used to be a Metro police officer and now doing other work with families, right? No, in, in security. In, in, in what? In credit union. Okay. So I was close. <laughs> Not really, but. At any rate, we're glad that they have come to make this a part of their church home and our church family. So God bless you and us as we together labor in this community and do what he wants us to do so that we can welcome more people home, home into the kingdom of God. Okay. I'm going to ask you to go out and stand in the foyer out there and please go by and give a. 
hug, a handshake, or just tell them you're glad to see them come and be a part of our church family. Would you please stand? Are we good? Yeah, we're we done? Yeah. Really? Hey, our normal um, schedule of activities resume this week, children and student ministry on Wednesday, along with our prayer group uh, at 1030 on Wednesday morning. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for today. God, we thank you that, um, that, God, you don't force your way into our lives, but, God, you give us a choice. And, God, um, we're just so grateful that, Lord, that we have that choice. And my prayer today is that, God, we choose to uh, use our door as a welcome entry. And, God, um, that, God, other people would be able to see that and that, God, we would welcome them into our lives, God, because... We have great news to share. So let's share that in everywhere that we go this week. Let everything that we do bring glory to you. We love you, God. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.